With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, during the Broncos game on Sunday, we got some heartbreaking news for Denver and Colorado sports fans with the announcement from the Avalanche that former general manager Pierre Lacroix had died. And it's just, it really is heartbreaking because he was an iconic figure in Denver sports. Um, As I tweeted out, I always appreciated his competitive drive, that he never settled. He always looked to make his team better. You think of all the deals that he made over the course of his tenure as general manager, whether it was bringing in Theo Fleury in the mid to late 90s, adding Rob Blake, adding Ray Bork, which is probably the biggest move. And then probably even bigger than that, in December of 1995, after they moved to Denver, he makes the deal for the greatest goalie in the history of the National Hockey League in Patrick Waugh. And it, and the thing that I told you, as you mentioned, he brought the first championship to Denver. So that's why we are starting this podcast off with uh, rest in peace to Pierre Lacroix, our thoughts and prayers to his family to the Avalanche organization, because much like Pat Bolin, Pierre Lacroix instilled a culture of winning inside that organization. And the success that they had from the minute they showed up from Quebec is, is remarkable. the, The stretch that they had of like eight or nine or 10 straight division championships, president's trophies, two Stanley cups, it's it's remarkable. So it, it, while we're this is a Broncos podcast, we are Colorado sports fans, and you can't mention Colorado sports without acknowledging Pierre Lacroix. So uh, a bit of somber news to start the podcast on a day that the Broncos won. Yeah, uh, just to kind of chime in, just for a second, and then we'll get to the Broncos. You know, if you think back to that that season in '96 when they won the Stanley Cup, uh, that really was. Um, sort of the start of some really fun years in in sports for uh, Colorado sports fans. The the Broncos got really good that year, and we won't talk about what happened in the 96 playoffs, but then 97-98, the Broncos go back-to-back. You had the Avalanche battling for championships every year, uh, so that was kind of fun. Obviously, you you don't have to talk too much about the Nuggets and the Rockies of that era but even then you said the Rockies were fairly new so that was that was kind of cool uh, and the Nuggets were always uh, exciting to kind of watch for a while and then they'd fall off so y- you know you're right uh, in that 
uh, he was a big part of a an era in Denver sports of success, and he was the architect of a team that brought Denver their first major sports championship. So, uh, like you said, uh, rest in peace to uh, Pierre Lacroix. Our thoughts are with uh, his family and the Avalanche family, and, and obviously, uh, you know, somber news on a day when the Denver Broncos are able to grab a win. And just to kind of take us into talk about the Broncos, because that is what we're here for, it was uh, it was something that we had mentioned in the pregame where we thought this was a game the Broncos could win. There were uh, some, some things that happened throughout the week that we didn't get to talk about. Christian McCaffrey being held out of this game uh, due to injury. Just, that's mean, a I, big reason we both <laughs> changed our picks, because if people listen to the podcast on Wednesday, we both predicted that the Broncos would lose, but that was before we knew Christian McCaffrey was going to to be, oh actually I, I picked the the Panthers. I picked the Broncos to win twenty two to, to sixteen. Yeah, I just want to make sure we but yeah. I but did still. I did flip my pick. Yes. And and understandably so. And I would I would tell you that had we known going into this, I might have picked the Broncos even bigger uh than twenty two sixteen. And so and it ended up being a pretty close game, which is is great. I mean, it was a fun game to watch. Uh obviously it got a little, it got a little scary at the end. I, I mean, the the Panthers scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. That is not exactly um, efficient defense in the fourth quarter. You give up 17 points in a quarter like that. A lot of times you're going to lose a game. I know that some of it's you know going to be considered garbage time, but but quite honestly, they were putting that game in doubt. They were making moves, and it it could have gone another way. But in the end, you got a, a, a pretty good game from Drew Locke. I'm going to call it efficient uh, because that's that's going to be a triggering word for some people, and so I'm just going to say it for fun. It was an efficient game from Drew Locke, and you got a, pr- a pretty darn good running game from Melvin Gordon. You, you had K.J. Hamler just blow up, utilizing the quadruple teams that they were throwing at Jerry Judy throughout the game so that Hamler could get, I don't know what was going on in the Panthers. Even they're like, is that Jerry Judy? Let's just follow him, and Hamler's like, Okay, dummies. But you had some really good stuff going on. And then I want to take a moment to just do a quick shout-out to the offensive line. Uh, is, is it Natan? I don't even know how to say his name. Natan Moody, Natani Moody. I, you, somebody else can tell me how to say it. He steps in, plays pretty well. No Garrett Bowles. The offensive line wasn't a deficiency, even with the, the moving parts and the missing players. You got to give them a lot of credit there. That was really uh, a, a a pretty good game, and I know they were playing a bad team, missing their best player, but you got to beat the team in front of you. That's all you can do. I actually like the way Drew Lock played. I thought it was his best game of the season, and I think that's the one thing people wanted to see from Drew Lock. They wanted to see improvement. He showed improvement on Sunday. His deep balls to KJ Hamler were beautiful. They were well thrown balls. He didn't make any mistakes. I don't that 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 fumble that the Panthers had is not on him. That's a miscommunication on behalf of the offensive line. And as you mentioned, with Moody playing in place of Graham Glasgow, who is out, it's going to happen. So I don't put that turnover on Drew Locke. He played very well on Sunday, and the running game was there. And the fact that the offensive line didn't seem to miss a beat, even without Garrett Bowles is a testament to how far that unit has come over the last season or two. Because when we came into the season, we thought the offensive line was a huge weakness. And now, after the extension of Garrett Bowles, they have their franchise left tackle. So for all the tackle bros out there, they're not going to be looking at left tackle. They may look at right tackle, depending on 
what happens in the last three games and, and with their draft position. That's another loser today is the draft stock because they were in, they were top 10. I think they were number 10 coming into this game. So they're going to drop after this one over the Panthers. Yeah. I, I do think if you have to pick a loser here, that's fine. You can, you can, uh, you can say that, that you know the draft Knicks, right? That your Scotties of the world who um, live in live in the off season and and win their championships there. Uh, obviously, you want to have that highest draft pick, and and uh, you know the Broncos uh, hurt themselves in that in that way. But honestly, I think I saw Jeff uh, Jess uh, actually mention something in general, and I thought it was an interesting way to say it. You know, never be mad about a win. Uh, you know, celebrate the win when it happens and then be be frustrated about things later, right? Always be happy with a win. And one of the things that I have to mention because it was so fun, my my son, who is eight, is really starting to figure out this fandom thing. Like, he's a big Yankee fan and a big Bronco fan, but he doesn't really understand, like, he, what, he, he doesn't get emotional about it or he hasn't in the past. He was like, let's go! And he was so pumped up and, and fired up about this game that it made me sort of get into it a little bit more than I normally do. Cause I do sort of sit there, you know, cynically and skeptically throughout the game. Like, well, this is going to go bad and this isn't going to work and they're going to screw that up. And he's over there screaming and yelling and having a good time and jumping up and down. And I kind of got into it. So this was a fun game for me from that perspective as well. They get the win. He was excited. I get a little bit of that excitement from him. Hey, and, and Drew Locke played well. A kid threw four touchdown passes, nice touchdown passes. I, I, you know what? That was great. That was fun. It really was fun. He made good decisions. I think that's the big thing that people want. I, I mentioned earlier to show improvement. Well, one of the areas to do that is with your decision making. He made good decisions with his throws today. He, I think, he was able to get through his progressions, and it helps to have a wide open KJ Hamler because, as you mentioned, they were focusing on Jerry Judy. They were really, and by the way, Jerry. that. That deep pass that went for like 30 yards or whatever in the first half, that route that Jerry Judy ran, holy crap. This this, this kid is going to be special. If Drew Locke can, can play like this and continually make improvement, this offense has the potential to be really good, as we have been saying since the end of last season. And then with the draft picks of Judy and Hamler, Noah Fant didn't play today because apparently in Charlotte, the Broncos must have gathered and went to Del Taco <laughs> because Garrett Bowles was out. Noah Fant was out. Brandon McManus must have joined them because he missed two extra points. So, but anyway, I it, the offense has the potential to be very good. If Drew Locke can continue to play like this and progress, he's he responded. He, I, I thought he played well. After that first interception against the Chiefs, he played well against the Dolphins. This is another step. So let's see what he does over the next three games. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And and when you look at the development of this offense, and we've talked about it, the offensive line has sort of become that that sort of mainstay. And it's always been, well, what is Drew Locke going to do next? And there there is some of that sort of fatalism with a lot of fans right now where they're almost hoping he plays poorly because it'll fit their narrative and it will push the Broncos into doing something at quarterback and moving away from him. And and when he plays well like this, they you know they sort of call it out as an aberration. And he you know he's still a bad quarterback. You see all of these things, and you see the tweets, and you see the comments and whatnot. And honestly, I, I think that watching him play today and watching the way the offense really was very efficient with him 
you know, sort of running the the plays that Pat Shermer was calling. And again, shout out to Pat Shermer as well. He, I think he called a pretty good game that really did sort of focus on what Drew Locke's strengths are. And you're playing a bad Carolina defense with with struggles in the secondary, and that helps as well. But you have to recognize that the the way that that offense sort of flowed today shows, if nothing else, that if if you give Drew Locke the opportunity to grow and and continue to grow, he's going to get better. Now, what is his what is his ceiling is something that has to be a conversation for uh, you know another time because we know what his floor is. We've seen it. We've been we've been playing in the basement all year. But every once in a while, he peeks his head out and does something like this, and you go, "Okay, yeah, he's actually he's actually got some skills. He can actually, you know, he can throw the ball. He can run a little bit. I thought I loved his decision making when it came time to run. That is something that I think is is for him going to help make him better when he starts to learn when to run and when not to run. When he needs to move, when he needs to shuffle. And the other thing that I thought his his game was better this week than last week and and throughout the season his footwork was better we we harped on footwork i you know i defy you to find me more than a couple of plays in that game where his footwork was so atrocious that it cost the broncos in the end whereas in other games his footwork has been bad enough to the point where it hasn't just been bad and he makes bad throws it's been bad and he throws interceptions so no interceptions pretty good footwork four touchdowns i, I mean that's what we wanted to see all year. We've gotten it, you know, today. We got it once against the Panthers, but you never know. Maybe we'll see it some more. Well, I I can test the the bad defense narrative being thrown around by some who want to crap all over Drew Locke. Look a couple of weeks ago and see what that Panthers defense did to the guy that some in Broncos country want to bring in to compete with Drew Locke, Matt Stafford. Here's the box score for that game a couple of weeks ago between the Panthers and the Lions. The Panthers won that game 20 to nothing. Matt Stafford went 18 of 33 for 178 yards. That's the guy that some in the media and the fan base want to come in and compete with Drew Locke. That's a you know what? That's a really um that's a really smart way to look at it. If you want to look at you know, an apples to apples comparison, because that's really what that is. Stafford faced the same defense. Now, different play callers, different offensive weapons. I mean, you can get into all of that. But quite frankly, if you're telling me, and and you and I do believe this, if you're telling me the most important position on the field is quarterback, and quarterback is going to have the biggest impact on the outcome of the game, and then you're not giving Drew Locke the credit he deserves for having a positive impact on this game, and throwing four touchdown passes and and not having horrible turnovers. You're right. The the fumble was like, oh my god, a truck hit that kid. Is he okay? You know, <laughs> I was really worried. You know, there's you have to be able to to do that apples to apples comparison. And for all intents and purposes, if you're looking at quarterbacks, Drew Locke outplayed Matt Stafford against the same defense. Did Carolina's defense play poorly? Yeah, I think they did. I think they had a bad game. In the secondary, I think their secondary really struggled. I'm not sure there you could say that about their defensive line because Drew Locke was under some duress, and, and quite frankly, the running game, while Melvin Gordon was good and and really did have a good game, 13 carries, 68 yards, a little more than five yards a carry. That's pretty solid. 
the rest of the running game really didn't go anywhere, right? Uh, Philip Lindsay was pretty much bottled up. I think he had, what, 24 yards? Is that what I'm looking at? Yep, 24 yards. That's not great. 2.2 yards a carry. Not going to be your every down back if you can't get, you know, can't get big yards in big situations. Uh, you know, there, this was a game that Drew Locke really took over the offense and did what we want him to do as fans, and that's lead the team to a victory because that's really what he did. Now, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, they did just barely enough to get by. I think that's a fair thing to say there, especially, again, giving up 17 points. The defense really struggled, but the offense did make a couple mistakes that put them behind the eight ball. That being said, the reason – is it fair to say that the reason they won this game, just like we talked about the reason they've lost so many games is Drew Locke, is it fair to say that maybe not the only reason but a pretty big part of why they won this game was because of Drew Locke? Offensively, yes. Offensively, Drew Locke is the reason the Broncos won this game. And I would argue that that is what allowed the defense to, I mean, yes, you, you don't like to see them giving up 17 points, but Teddy Bridgewater and Carolina still have a pretty good offense, even without Christian McCaffrey. So, and they want to win too. So, I, yeah, I, I don't like that the defense gave up 17 points in the fourth quarter, but I thought for the most part, the defense played really well, especially the secondary to have Michael Ojemudie and Devonte Bosby as your two cornerbacks being down AJ Boye and Bryce Callahan. I thought Ojemudie had another very good game. I think he is proving that he's going to be in contention to be a starting cornerback next year for the Broncos. I will parks making his, Presence felt back on the field. That's something else that happened. Big uh, sack. He got a big sack in the game. So I welcome back Will Parks and wearing the 27 of uh, Steve Atwater he and is. Garrett Williams. So I – and then give credit to the defense for stepping up and not allowing Teddy Bridgewater to have a potential game-winning drive. And we, I think we need to acknowledge the punt of Sam Hunt. Les Shapiro pointed this out. That might have been the play of the game is his huge punt that flipped that, that flip field position. Of course, it helped to have a holding penalty by Carolina that put him back at the 40, but that punt by Sam Hunt backed up in his own end zone, flip field position. And I, I agree giving a shout-out to Pat Shermer for his game plan because I thought it was very uh, Miami-esque, really played to the strengths of the offense. I think he's really coming into his own as the Broncos offensive coordinator and especially with Drew Locke. So, and then the defense, like I said, stepping up and not letting Teddy Bridgewater to have a potential game winning drive, the bend, but don't break as uh, old time Broncos fans will know from the orange crush days, they definitely bent in the fourth quarter, but they didn't break. And when we mentioned the defense, we have to bring up the fact that this was the first game back for defensive coordinator Ed Donatel, who had missed six games because of COVID-19. And he, it was pretty scary. And the fact that he was back in the booth working with Vic Fangio is uh, a testament to, to him. And I, I'm glad that, that he was back because I, I think the players really do like playing for Ed Donatel and – having the chance to, to speak with him at training camp a couple of years ago when he came back for his, I believe, second tenure in, in, in Denver with the Broncos as he was on that Mike Shanahan staff. 
when he worked with Steve Atwater and Tyrone Braxton for the, the Broncos teams that won Super Bowls. And it's just, it was nice to see him back in. And, and Vic Fangio, after the game, gave his game ball to, to Coach Donatell. Yeah, which I think is a, is, is a really good thing because, obviously, uh, it was a struggle for him to get back. It was something that you could tell was was an issue for the team, not so much in the way that they performed, but that's got to be something that weighs heavy on everybody. And I know there are some that are going to say, well, Vic Fangio calls the defense, and so it's really not that big a deal. But I think it is something that when you look at what a coach does, aside from simply calling plays, he's obviously very important to the staff and to the players. And it was – it was scary. It was scary for him. I mean, obviously hospitalized and, and missing so much time. And uh, so, you know, good on him for, for getting healthy and, and recovering and getting back into the booth. And, you know, for, for, for the remainder of the season, I, I think he'll probably be up in the booth. And that might actually be uh, a blessing in disguise, get him up there and have him see things from up high and, and make uh, make recommendations and, and things like that. And so, you know, good, good to have him back uh, for sure. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.